செவன்டீன் செவன்டீன் ரிலி என்னென்னா நெக்ஸ்ட் வீக் தான் எனிவே வெல்கம் டு தி செவன்டீன்த் எபிசோட் ஆஃப் டூ டீ ஸ்பூன்ஸ் ஆஃப் பாசிட்டிவிட்டி டேட் இஸ் தி எயிட் ஆஃப் அக்டோபர் அண்ட் இட் இஸ் டூ தேர்ட்டி செவன் ஏஎம் இஎஸ்டி ஐ ஐ லைக் த ஐ லைக் த நியூ டைம் பிகாஸ் ஐ டோன்ட் ஃபீல் அஸ்லீப்பி so hard 
it took us so much time the elections are here we didn't even notice when the elections came you know my god is it elections already wow <laughs> like everyone knows what you're doing they have no shame okay let's see okay so the philippine the elections in the philippines are in 2022 so this could probably be something that they've started just to win the election but uh, it still is a good progressive uh, step towards making significant changes to combat the climate crisis and uh, this is a really good way for the country as a whole to move towards uh, renewable resources because if the government backs uh, backs these initiatives or if the government supports these initiatives fervently and does not require any sort of uh, or does not uh, seek any sort of aid or assistance from the private sector then the agenda isn't diluted as much because at the end of the day the 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 principal uh, the priority of the private sector is to generate profits i'm not saying that's good or bad that's just what a company needs to do but in order to do that they need to prioritize their goals and more often than not being more conscious of the environment uh, is not as highly prioritized in the to-do list of these corporations but when a government does it since the government is uh, being funded by the people it can uh, it can make it can put all of its attention and focus on a particular goal or on a set of particular goals without worrying about profit generation because their funds are secure Philippines is part of the ASEAN 
the the association of southeast asian nations so i'm hoping that uh, wait is philippines a part of the asean i think it is asean members okay let's see philippines yes philippines is a member uh, is a member of the association of southeast asian nations along with uh, cambodia myanmar laos vietnam malaysia singapore thailand and indonesia i'm hoping that uh, other countries can follow suit this is a really uh, this is an idea which uh, we as humanity really need right need right now pushing for uh, pushing towards more reliability on renewable resources and it comes back to the other point i mentioned i think yesterday or a few days back that it needs to i'm glad that uh, a lot of countries uh, are coming up with solutions on their own because the idea of uh, affecting uh, reversing climate change needs to be uh, needs to pop up everywhere so that it can be assimilated and accepted in in multiple cultures because if it was only coming from the US or from the european continent it would uh, it would meet a lot more resistance when it came to asia or some of the island nations in the caribbean or anywhere that isn't as connected to the mainland continents anyway uh, let's move on to our next story oh uh, right there's a little fact here as well that uk was the first country to commit to phasing out coal in 2015 canada germany and denmark are among the nations that have subsequently pledged to kick the habit largest battery went live that is a very clickbaity title so the news there that there was more positive news okay let's see okay then and then okay uk's largest battery coming online in south yorkshire battery storage technology is getting cheaper and can help balance the grid which is vital as the uk relies more on intermittent renewable energy flexibility is a huge is a hugely important part of decarbonizing the grid and batteries are an excellent source of flexibility said andrew low director at energy specialist flexicity hmm. interesting that is a problem which i did not consider because i i am very big brain <laughs> and yeah that makes sense right like 
if uh, if we are oh shucks if a country like the uk is relying on renewable energy more and more primarily solar energy and considering the climate it's it must be tough for them because there's just there are very few days with the sun with like which provide ample sunlight so they need to uh, ration whatever energy they generate countries which get ample sunlight are probably somewhere in the Iberian Peninsula and a little north of the Iberian Peninsula right because what's with the further north you go that's Scandinavia and if you start heading west that's uh, that's Spain Portugal with research groups 
in China and Saudi Arabia. They announced that they had developed a simple method for retrieving valuable chemicals from plastic waste so that recyclers may have a means of making more money from collecting plastic waste. That is amazing. So according to according to the study, the team's new process involves breaking plastic down to its molecular components by pulverizing it and using microwaves. <laughs> oh god, that is very um that is a very dramatic way of putting it. Doing so can release the core components of plastic materials, including hydrogen and pure carbon, which can then form high-value products like carbon nanotubes. So they they are using plastic baggies and they are converting it into carbon nanotubes. That is amazing. Yeah, they use catalysts. fancy word for materials that spur subsequent chemical reactions okay normally waste recycling if uh, normally waste recycling equipment will heat up the plastic itself to melt it down in this case however researchers heated up their signature blend of catalysts first which propelled the conversion which propelled the conversion process forward in fascinating new ways hmm. i don't know what uh, they haven't uh, they haven't explained in detail what materials they are using or what their process is all it says is that instead of melting the plastic into goo they are heating up their signature blend of catalysts and then applying it to the plastic or introducing it to the plastic i don't know so the results are that uh, hydrogen was obtained the hydrogen they obtained was 97% pure which is a great potential source for clean hydrogen fuel and the carbon they obtained was crafted into high value carbon nanotubes next generation engineering material that is incredibly durable and lightweight hmm. this is very interesting because uh, i'm reminded of that uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Back to the Future. Specifically, Back to the Future Two, I think two or three. Either one of them, both of them had. Uh, okay, so the premise is that there's this kid. He's in high school. He is bullied, and his parents. Well, his family is. not exactly um affluent i guess and the reason they aren't is conveyed or portrayed to the audience as failures of the father of the family so the father was bullied by this one guy in high school and that relationship between them the father and the bully that has continued since high school till today like the guy has been married for roughly what two decades i guess he has three children more than two decades he has three children and he's still being bullied that is i think <laughs> at that point i think it's the fault of the father <laughs> anyway uh so 
to escape uh, such a depressing situation he wants the and the protagonist he has a band he has he spends time with his band he spends time with his girlfriend and he spends time with his doctor a scientist and the scientist uh, the scientist had has recently made a fascinating discovery in time travel he took a delorean you know the car that has those weird doors which open which open in a slightly disgusting manner <laughs> i think it's weird i think it's creepy you know why okay so he this the scientist turns a delorean into a time machine and in order to uh, travel in order to travel through time you need plutonium or enough electricity uh, or electricity that can create 1.21 gigawatts i think i've discussed this story before i'm not sure i forget what happened i forget what i talked about in the previous video uh, in the previous episode i sincerely apologize for that anyway uh when when they go to the future or when the doctor goes to the future uh, when the scientist goes to his name is doc brown he has a doctorate so doctor emmet brown so when emmet goes to the future he switches out the um, plutonium the plutonium fuel component and switches it with nuclear fusion and apparently the year is 2020 and he is able to get a, a fusion component which looks like a blender and it runs on trash so banana peels and plastic crushed cans and stuff like that you just put it in you close the hatch and you just wait for 15 minutes and then it shows you a full tank so this process especially of obtaining hydrogen that was 97% pure and which is probably a great source of clean hydrogen fuel this reminded me of that swords so uh, uh the these are swords which look really pretty if you can please google them wait i'll just i'll just confirm swords okay damascus steel sorry damascus steel But yeah, the designs on these swords are is really amazing. I like drawing these. I'm good at swords. <laughs> that's the that's the extent of my um, sketching skills. I can draw swords and I can draw um, figures. So yeah, uh, the 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 mask is steel. is made by a process which we do not know anymore the process the knowledge has been lost sadly and it is uh, really frustrating 
because there are a, a ton of Damascus swords just all over the world thanks to I'm assuming Alexander Alexander the Great so but since even though there are so many swords that metallurgists and uh, scientists can experiment and reverse engineer they don't know how to do that it's very tough it's very uh, because these these swords are really strong and really light and the and think i think the recent the most recent discovery about damascus swords was the fact that they had carbon nanotubes in them i don't know how that happens and i think it's uh, i read somewhere that vikings uh, what they did in one of the subset i think one of the sub uh, so one of the subset of viking culture involved uh, taking animal uh, bones especially of uh, predators like bears and stuff and using and uh, crushing their bones to powder and mixing it with the with the steel that goes that goes into create the axes and everything because they believe that the spirit of the animal now resides within the blade and what they were actually doing was adding carbon to their steel which makes it a lot uh, stronger i think i'm not sure but yeah it uh, it really is interesting if it's true i'm not sure if it's true but maybe that's how uh, carbon nanotubes were found but the biggest um, the biggest argument that breaks my entire uh, theory apart is the fa- is the nanotubes part because i don't think nanotubes occur naturally and even if uh, even if people were able to uh, recreate it uh, even if people are able to recreate it now i don't think that would have been possible way back then right when was the earliest damascus sword found let me check steel swords may have been made near Damascus Syria in the period from 900 AD to as late as 1750 AD hmm it quickly gained reputation during the crusades 1750 that's okay but yeah 900 900 to 1200 i think some somewhere around 1200 was the concept of assassins 
from the entire game like yeah you can still free run and you can still uh, fight and stuff but the hood and the hidden blade and everything that came with it the persona the ideologies that all is gone all that is gone it's sad but uh and uh the the most uh, the strongest criticism that i found was from a guy who really likes uh, assassin's creed and he majored in history i think and he was uh, he was explaining how in their uh, endeavor to achieve the most vi- uh, okay so assassin's creed valhalla it takes place in it has vikings in it it is about the viking invasion of england so uh, the vikings are the good guys and and king robert i think is the bad guy and the first argument that this guy had against this entire game was the fact that saying uh, portraying the english crown as the bad guy is not exactly difficult it's like very cookie cutter villain when it comes to historical villains but portraying the vikings as good guys that is bridging some serious historical gaps <laughs> because yes the the vikings were predominantly farmers and farmers and fishermen but they also raided people <laughs> they raided communities and countries and whatever text we have whatever uh, sorry the majority of the text we have about vikings comes from the people who have been abused by them so the uh, the stereotypical image that we have of vikings is just is of the invader the guy who has uh, war hammers and battle axes who screams a lot and just kills everyone it's accurate uh, it's true but it's not the complete story but then again putting them saying that these are the good guys is not exactly uh, digestible i guess or palatable the second one that he said was that this was taking the game is taking place uh, during the dark ages so the problem with that is that it uh, it hampers the game mechanics uh, a fascinating concept in assassin's creed in the assassin's creed series overall is free running so you are able to climb a lot of uh, climb many uh, tall buildings without uh, without any sort of support like no ropes no cords or anything nothing nothing to save you if you fall and the problem with setting a game in the dark ages is the fact that there are no tall buildings <laughs> like the i think the best one or the one that everyone likes ubiquitously is the ezio saga assassin's creed uh, takes place in italy 
it takes place in florence uh, florence venice rome and all these three uh, florence venice rome between the 1400 and the 1600 between 1400 and the 1600s yeah and this time at this time period had a lot of uh, fairly tall buildings like uh, in florence they had the duomo i think in rome they had the they had the colosseum and a few other buildings which i'm forgetting and in venice they had what did they have all <laughs> oh, right they had uh, they had some italian sounding palace forgetting which one anyway uh yeah so it messes up the game because if you said uh and he also uh, provided an alternative which is way more historically accurate and way more fun so uh, this is something new that i learned that assassin uh, not assassin vikings traveled all over the they traveled from scandinavia to uh, what we now know as the middle east because these guys uh, these guys had really good boats and the the shape of their boats allowed them to uh, maneuver it in all in any depth in a variety of depths so they were able to uh, they were able to uh, traverse waterways and uh, the oceans and the waterways with relative ease which allowed them to travel and trade routinely with communities which were way too far geographically for them to be uh, in connection in sort of uh, in contact so an assassin's creed game which takes place in the middle east which had vikings would be it sounds pretty amazing because it sounds fantastic and it sounds outlandish but it would also be accurate and i think it would allow uh, it would allow for more of the classic game mechanics that everyone loves to be included or integrated better i guess oh shucks i just realized the time <laughs> it's 34 minutes so it's going to be 35 minutes i'll end this here Anyway, uh, that has been our segment. Two teaspoons of positivity. I would like to thank the one person listening to this. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so so much for listening. And uh, if you can, please share this with just one other person if possible. And try to donate if you can, or just get someone else to. Because even though the even though I try my best. things are really bleak hey as i said i don't know if i can continue making these because because you need uh because i don't know if i'll have a roof over my head like two weeks from now or a week from now so anyway uh, thank you so much for tuning in and now i am going to tune out bye bye